Late Night Conversations. Social Conversations. Let's welcome A-Team guest, Dr. Jess Meadows-Taylor, who's head of the Adolescent and Children's Psychiatric Unit at Rahima Musa Hospital. Dr. Jess, thank you very much for joining us and thank you for your patience. Hi, good evening, Patricia, and good evening to all of you listening this evening. It's lovely to be here. So today uh, we are commemorating, celebrating, observing World Bipolar Day. And for a, a, a medical professional who deals mainly with adolescents and children in a psychiatric unit, what does this day mean to you and your um, fellow colleagues? So I, I think, Patricia, um, what is so important about a day like today is that it really is an opportunity for us to um, kind of recognize the difficulty um, for those young people who are suffering with bipolar, for their families, and for the challenges that everybody obviously is having to address when they are suffering with their bipolar. But I think it also is a, is a great opportunity for us to um, provide information, to allow for awareness, um, because this is a disease or an illness that is incredibly misunderstood. And it is often cloaked in quite a lot of, of stigma, both what we refer to as internalized stigma, which is really when the patient themselves um, loses hope, um, um, it impacts their self-esteem, they start to doubt their capacity um, and their capability. And then we have obviously externalized stigma, which is the whole concept that um, as a community and as a sort of an environment, as a society, we tend to discriminate. And so by having days like today, it allows us an opportunity to really educate um, the communities that, that we, and, and allow an opportunity for people to ask relevant questions about whether they are possibly unwell um, and to look perhaps nice, kind of more closely at, at where they're at and, and maybe they should be a little bit more discerning about some of their symptoms um, to the point that they may consider going and getting a, a kind of expert um, evaluation as would be. Uh, Dr. Jess, how, what are the signs and symptoms of bipolar, um, especially if we are talking children, even for adults? Because if a person has got bipolar, they might feel out of sorts, I, I, I suppose, but the, the community and family members won't know how to support if they don't know what the signs or symptoms are. Absolutely. So I think, I think first and foremost, I must, I must mention that you know, for everybody um, the bipolar can be a very different um, condition. Bipolar actually is not just one one condition. It actually is made up of a spectrum of different conditions. And in that, it means that, that it can be quite complex sometimes to diagnose. Um, essentially, bipolar as a, as, a, as a kind of uniform condition is essentially characterized by fluctuations in mood um, where a patient may experience periods of depression um, that may last for days, weeks, and sometimes even months, and then um, periods that, that then may um, essentially evolve into what we refer to as hypermanic or manic episodes, where a patient's mood may be elevated or perhaps particularly irritable. And these periods don't just evolve and don't just include um, changes in mood, but also changes in other kind of factors. So things like a patient's ability to sleep, a patient's energy, a patient's appetite, even their capacity to function at work and to um, concentrate and to retain information and, and, and have a functioning memory. And so essentially what 
where, where the kind of the cornerstone to bipolar is is primarily early diagnosis. So what I would say to anybody if they are concerned that either for themselves or for a family member that there is a fluctuation in mood, and I'm not just talking about moody because I think that's also where there's often a bit of misconception. There is amongst sort of popular media this this kind of indication that patients with bipolar either kind of excessively moody and through the day they, they kind of their moods fluctuate or they are considered to be crazy and um, sort of dysregulated. That's not what bipolar is by any means. And so primarily what I would suggest is that if you can recognize that there's a particular pattern to what is happening to your mood and also to things like sleep and appetite, etc., then first and foremost it is to go and get a proper diagnosis and to be assessed accordingly. Um, and then once you have been assessed and somebody has had a good discerning review of your of your symptoms, if bipolar is then suggested, it then we then move into what we refer to as a kind of biopsychosocial management platform where we address that bipolar on all in all spheres of, of management of that patient. And primarily, one of the things that we do is we include families and a, a kind of the social network. In, in assistance for that patient. Mm. So there's quite a lot to look out for, but uh, um, supporting each other is what we need to do. For medical health professionals, I mean, uh, it, it must be quite a, a huge day, um, this World Bipolar Day. How do medical, <laughs> yes, it must be a huge day because, you know, <laughs> especially in the, last, in, in the last two years, we have not been concentrating on other medical issues except for COVID-19. And here we are today, we are a bit more relaxed when it comes to COVID-19 because there's a bit more information and World Bipolar Day is being um, observed. And I asked this question on what support do medical professionals require when dealing, um, like yourself, with uh, people in psychiatric wards? Um, what support do you need? Do you have enough support? Does the World Health Organization cover you? Does the Department of Health cover you as healthcare professionals? Because I know we, as your patients, take, take, take. But is there anyone who's giving back to you? And um, Patricia, I think it's a it's a, a very generous question, and I think I think I speak for um, for anybody working in the mental health fraternity. Um, but at the moment, things are particularly strained. But I think it is an indication of the state of, of mental health um, after the pandemic. Um, I don't necessarily think that the world is in a great space before the pandemic necessarily, but I think the pandemic has definitely highlighted some real challenges. Um, and I think particularly in light of, of, of children and, and young people, adolescents and young adults, um, it has things like isolation um, changes in socioeconomic status, changes to schooling and education has had quite profound impact on, on children and adolescents. And I think we are starting to see a kind of quite a significant increase in the number of adolescents and young people who are seeking out medical assistance, in particular in, in regards to their mental health. I think really what, what, what a day like today really speaks to is the fact that it's yet again um, an opportunity to to do self-reflection. Um, I think it's really important. We live in an incredibly busy time. We tend to often dismiss symptoms um, and to perhaps use or to self-medicate um, um, issues. So, for example, if we're particularly agitated or irritable, um, some individuals may choose to 
self-medicate with alcohol, for example, or sleeping tablets. And I think a day like today where it chooses to be particularly valuable is because it is a time to just sit and to evaluate and to reassess, to be mindful, but also to perhaps look at it at those around us who are in kind of close proximity, that we may kind of rationally and, and, and perhaps um, uh, with, a, with a slightly uh, kind of uh, more analytical eye, review them to see whether they may need possible assistance. Um, and just to be aware of the mental state of all of those surrounding us. Um, because I think we all are in a, at a time where, where we all need to be particularly aware of the difficulties that those around us um, um, are encountering. And yes, I think mental health care practitioners um, are tired. I think it's, it's a, we are tired just like I think any other kind of medical staff would be. Um, and I think resources are depleted. Um, we are particularly under-resourced in this country. We have a desperate need for uh, more psychiatrists, for more psychologists, for more social workers, for more counselling um, staff. Um, we also need, you know, um, in multiple areas within our kind of social development um, departments that also need help and assistance. And I think it speaks to just the, the plethora of, of need, um, if you will. But yes, I think I think it's, it's we are very aware of, of the deficits that we, that we hold. And I think um, it's really also around caring for ourselves, being very aware of our own mental health um, at times like this. So, uh, Dr. Jess, in the workplace, I think uh, this is where sometimes we find um, th- there's no, not enough balance, maybe that's how I should put it, for people suffering from uh, mental health conditions such as bipolar. Um, and and uh, employers might find it difficult to either know what to do to assist and support their employees. But if it's undiagnosed, then it can also lead to some discriminatory actions. Are there any guidelines from a medical point of view that could help employers and employees who have a colleague that has um, got a mental health um, condition like bipolar? Well, um, I think that that employers, um, you know, primarily, that as I said before, I think one of the most important things is that they are provided with adequate information. So there are a number of organizations, one of them being the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, or SADAC, who provide free um, sort of 24-hour assistance. Um, and you can, can find them up and somebody will assist you with any of the questions that you might have. Um, employee wellness staff members, um, should have access, occupational health care staff should have access to um, individuals like counselling psychologists um, or even mental health advocates who may be able to advise um, employers. And it, it, it's also there, I think, quite important that the environment um, that, a, that a patient or a mental health care user, um, which is another word that we use for, for a mental health care patient, um, in, in, if the environment is conducive to one that is open for communication, it therefore allows the, the, the patient um, to actually then go and obviously um, engage with their employer around um, difficulties that they may occur. And and I must also mention at this point that, you know, bipolar, there is often a, this misunderstanding that if you suffer with bipolar, that essentially you, you know, incapacitated. And I think I must be very clear that that's not the case at all. What the studies have shown is that if you are able to identify somebody with bipolar early on and you can adequately treat them, there is no reason why they can't have a completely normal and functional life. Um, and so it's really important that 
um, just like depression or anxiety or any of the other mental health care difficulties that people suffer with, that the environment at work is one that feels um, compassionate um, and that at the same time allows for structure um, and, and understanding. And so, yes, employers are most welcome to make use of any of those um, resources. Um, and there are lots online. So there are lots and lots of NGOs that do have provisions for um, psychoeducation of employers around what perhaps concerning symptoms may be. Um, and obviously, it must be, it's important often to, to mention that um, there's obviously an anti-discriminatory policy around mental health care um, in the work, workplace. So it is important that employers are aware of that and that we can um, utilize our mental health care resources to kind of assist both the employer and the employee so that we can obviously optimize their functioning if they need to be hospitalized or managed and, and removed from the workplace for a short period of time. We obviously can get them back to work and functioning as, as quickly as possible. And Atima is sharing an experience, and I think uh, maybe we'll uh, wrap up after this. Uh, this Atima is saying, what an interesting topic. Um, I worked with a store manager that was bipolar. She made my life super difficult at work with uh, that 7 million moods. And on top of that, it was so clear that the staff felt threatened. Um, because um, And she became the reason I resigned from work as I informed her about this situation. But they uh, informed human resources about the situation, but they couldn't do anything as it would be discrimination. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So I think, yeah, thank you, Patricia. And I think that, that also speaks to something else, which is obviously if we don't adequately address mental health care issues, mm. there is a, a likelihood that, you know, patients' behavior can deteriorate and, and, and the fallout for them and for those others around them and, and those that suffer with, with mental health care issues is, is not... It doesn't benefit. Um, and so it really is, as advocates for mental health, it's important that we, we diagnose patients, that we get them well as soon as possible um, so that we can get them back into a work environment so that people don't review, kind of review them as being um, problematic. Um, because I can only assume if it was so unpleasant for you at, at work, I can only assume it must have been very difficult in other areas for other people that had to engage with that, mm. with that patient. So mm. I hope that she got adequate help at some point. Most definitely. Dr. Jess, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, may we always, uh, you know, commemorate such days um, and give education to the greater community. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Patricia, and have a lovely evening. Hey, let's uh, take a bit of a musical break before we go to Mudubimakalemela with the Wola update. Um, we've got Tracy Chapman uh, that's uh, waiting for us at the crossroad.